0: Welcome to episode 24 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability, the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Today uh, I bring you an episode on stigma. And this is part two of the interview that I did with educator and author Jackie Goldstein. And Jackie is renowned for her work in researching and sharing findings on community care. And on this podcast, Jackie shares uh, a lot of the research done by Patrick Corrigan, again, another uh, American who is an author uh, and researcher on stigma and specifically around mental illness. And there's a lot of ties between mental illness and uh, dis- uh, disabilities. So I think that there's some great information in this podcast. Uh, when speaking with families, one of the biggest dreams and desires, uh, and also with individuals, uh, one of the biggest dreams and desires that they have is to be accepted to be accepted in our world. And this podcast gives us some tools or gives us some weapons, as Jackie calls them, to start to break down those stigmas and societal barriers that exist for people with mental illness and disability. So I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. Here we go. Here's Jackie. So there's a chapter in the book which is titled Silencing the Voice of Stigma. Could you talk a little bit about stigma and how we can start to change uh, the conversation or start to change that societal perception?
1: Stigma can be, can be fought, addressed in several different ways. And Patrick Corrigan has done a lot of work on stigma. Okay, Stigmas develop out of stereotypes. A stereotype is the seed that plants the tree of stigma okay Mm -hmm. so we think of mental illness and what do we think of we think for a lot of people it makes them afraid this this volunteer that was being trained what if they call me too much they think of somebody with mental illness as someone that's going to be a problem to take care of okay got that established So what Corrigan wanted to do is there are three approaches to stigma that we can take, whether it has to do with, with any stigmatized group. And we we all develop stereotypes about the color of someone's skin, about someone's age, um, about someone's country of origin now is a big deal. Um, so we develop those and, and the... Dangerous stigma is we take limited information and we apply it to an entire group, and that group, in addition to the common factor of whatever is them, that group's going to be different. So Corrigan took the three approaches that we have to stigma, and in a in a, um, a scientific experiment manner, where you have um, where you have control of certain variables, and then you can produce. Um, different levels of another variable. He investigated the effect of three common weapons against stigma. One of them was um, was uh, demo, it, it would be demonstrating, would be, be making people aware of it by going out in the streets with signs. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. They're trying to break down certain stigmas and so on. And so that is one way. If you write a letter to the editor and you say how bad the, service, the mental health services in your community are and everybody needs to be aware of that, or if you engage in a march um, about anything, that's protest, okay? So he wanted to see how much good protest did. Another thing that um, we look to to try to dilute stigma is education, and so in the case of mental illness, the approach would be, oh, if people understand that mental illness can be an illness like any illness, that it is, um, it's treatable, it is, um, well, treatable would be the best thing, but um, that if they understand that mental illness just isn't weird behavior, okay, that would be the second way. The, uh, the third way would be integration, where you have people who are, um, where you have people with mental illness or with black skin or who are Muslim, where you have an opportunity for community members to get to know that group through contact with them. Okay. Well, he did a controlled study, and it was at two levels. And what he found was, and um, I, I described the study in the book, so if you want to relate more principles, you're better off to go to the book. But what he found was that he did the research in two stages. And in the first stage, people um, were exposed to protest. Uh, the subjects were exposed to protest, the subjects being a randomly chosen group of, of um, citizens. They were exposed to, pro- to um, protest. They were also exposed to um, education where someone with mental illness taught them about about mental illness, and they were also exposed to contact. And I think that the contact came about because some of the education came from someone with mental illness and some came with someone without. Okay, that was the first stage. And then he had a survey to measure the degree of um, the The effect that those three different approaches had on people's stigma, and it turned out that contact had the greatest effect contact and education together. education had a good effect, but contact had a good effect, and contact increased the effect of education okay mm-hmm. then, in the second stage, he had um, a person come in and speak about um mental illness and in his representing himself as somebody who was diagnosed with a mental illness and talking about his life. And in his talk, he would include things about his life, like um, what kind of work he did, um, just normal things that we would uh, share about our lives. But in some cases, they interjected things and this was a scripted presentation um, about um, my grandfather was George Washington or you know something that would not be indicative of a normal life okay got that setting this is stage two now they wanted to see they took the people from stage one Who had been exposed to protest, education, or contact, and they wanted to see if that initial experience had any effect on what they noticed about the person in stage two who was giving a story. Now, in stage two, the independent variable is the kind of information they were giving. So, they were giving factual, acceptable information, and they were giving delusional information. And when the subjects listened to him talking, which did they remember more of, depending on what they had been subjected to, exposed to in the initial stage? Were they likely to um, remember more of the delusional stuff on anybody? I mean, did it just stand out on anybody who was presenting themselves with mental illness and the one who was presenting presented the same information to everybody? The bottom line was that those who had previously been exposed to contact remembered fewer delusional statements and more everyday fact statements. Does that mm-hmm. make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. So is is the what's the conclusion that he that he drew from that?
1: Well, the conclusion that he drew is that we need to which we we could learn from Geel. We can learn from a lot of places is that you can have a great thing that looks good on paper, but if it doesn't allow the community to have any contact with the person, it's not going to be that good. And Corrigan has taken it one step further. I met with Corrigan in Chicago one time, and he, he did not share with me at that time that he had a, a diagnosis of a mental illness. And um, so he has started, and I don't remember if I put this in the book because I don't remember if I realized it at the time, but he wrote a book about his mental illness, and he included stories in it about people who were talking about, who people who had been diagnosed with mental illness and who talked about um, about their mental illness, and so he encourages uh got a name. The project's got a name. He encourages people to tell their story in this book, and I learned about this later, and I have his book, and I don't know if I learned it in time to include it in my book. I give his background in that chapter. And then I tell the um, design that he used. Yeah, recently Dr. Corgan encouraged those who live with the challenges of mental disorder to consider sharing their story by, quote, coming out proud. And that's the, the new approach that he's taking is not just identifying the source of stigma, but what will break it down. And since contact is so important with coming about proud, coming out proud he offers friends and coworkers the opportunity to have contact with mental illness by reading these sh- these stories um he published a book in 2015 coming out proud to erase the stigma stigma of mental illness stories and essays of solidarity well there's all kinds of ways that we can get contact they are um there's a, been an effort on tv that um a certain kind of award is given to shows that do um, a more hopeful pres- presentation of mental illness and I I talk about um, Anderson what's his what's Anderson's first name Cooper Anderson mm-hmm. yeah um, Anderson Cooper yeah and and um, he did an experiment not an experiment but really a, a demonstration um, and A person who is actually a psychiatrist and has a diagnosis of mental illness wanted him to experience what it's like to hear voices and I've had people do something similar in my classroom and so he had on earphones and he heard the voices and then he was asked to 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 do certain chores and he said how how the voices were so real that they got in the way of him solving problems and so on. And I state in the book that that kind of thing is useful, but it depends on if you're sitting watching TV, how is that story going to affect you? The purpose of it was to have people understand kind of education of what it's like to hear voices. But also it could be people who heard about, you know, Hearing voices. Then, when Anderson, then when Cooper reports how terrible it was, that just reinforces their stereotype.
0: Yeah, it's so it,
1: it's the thin ice, thin ice that you're walking on. And um, you know, one variable is what resources a community has. Another variable is what are the needs of the of the person with the diagnosis. And the third variable. What are the biases? What is the past experience of the person who is um, dealing with the with the borders, with the patients, and so on? And so, education does give you some kind of experience, but um, but actually interacting. And I talked about when I was heading comp here in Birmingham, and we collaborated with Habitat for Humanity, and we built a Habitat house, and the theme. If you have a theme for a Habitat house, it's going to get more publicity. And so the theme of ours, that it was built by, primarily built by people who in some way were affected by mental illness. It could be someone who had a diagnosis. It could be a family member. It could be a clinician. It could be a student. Well, the neat thing about it, when I would go to the site, I didn't know who was who. I didn't know who had a diagnosis of mental illness and who was a clinician and who was a family member. When you're all doing the same thing, hammering nails into a house for somebody else, and the Habitat chose a family to live in that house that actually had a physical disability. The father of the family had cerebral palsy. So, you know, that that was um, it was kind of like the coming out proud thing. and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being open with your disability, and when there's a, a stigma associated with something, people are hesitant to be open. Right. And, and what I'm taking,
0: yeah, that, what I'm taking away, that's um, coming through really strong for me, Jackie, and, and likely um, our listeners, is that. Um, you really need to have that contact piece. And it also highlights the importance of um, sharing our stories to right. start to, to change the uh, societal uh, perceptions mm-hmm. and, to, and to remove that stigma. So I just have one last question here for you. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a short one. So if you had um, a billboard that um, the whole world would see, what would you put on that billboard?
1: mm, goodness gracious um as, as you can tell, I'm not good on slogans. <laughs> um Something that would emphasize the importance of recognizing our abilities in addition to our disabilities. Our disabilities, and we all have some to a certain degree, our disabilities must be considered, but we cannot overlook our abilities because it's the abilities that allow us to have contact with other people. It's abilities that allow us to feel like meaningful members of the community. Um, So something along those lines, I'd need somebody who is better at one-liners than I am. But I think that's a very important um, thing and and you know back to my beginning, communities have different resources, um, patients have different needs, and so on. What we need to do in order to identify the resources and the needs and so on is we have to not just identify the disabilities, not just the lack of transportation or the um, inability to go out in the sun, but what are the positive things, not against, with.
0: I love that, Jackie. And that's a, a great note to wrap up the podcast here. So uh, super grateful for you creating the, the time to uh, to chat with, with me today. And uh, yeah, I think everybody's going to get a lot of value to this. So thank you very much. I hope that you got a ton of value out of that clip with Jackie Goldstein talking about stigma uh, and stigma on people with mental illness and disabilities. What I really got out of it is we need to share our stories whether that's in the form of a blog post or in writing a storybook or doing a short video and we need to share our stories to educate people, to help them understand our lived experiences, um, our experiences of someone with a disability, or our experience uh, as a family member of someone uh, that has a disability. And it's so, so important. And even uh, to go as far as to say that we're not creating any change by just sitting in our basements. We're not changing anybody's perceptions or anybody's mind if we're just... Hiding from society. In fact, we're just reinforcing that we're different and that we're hiding something. And that just further stokes this fear that other people have about disability or differences. And we talk, David Roche and I talk a little bit about this in our, our podca- podcast about people being scared of other people that are different. And we need to create that common understanding. We need to share our stories. We need to share our lived experiences with others. We need to make contact and show other people that we can contribute and we are valuable members of society. And that's just really something that's that's stuck home, uh, hit home for me. And I'd like you to think about what are some ways that uh, you can share your story or you can share the story of your loved one to help other people gain that understanding. And how can you be present and how can you have a conversation with someone that maybe doesn't understand or is maybe scared and I'd like to leave you with that, uh, with that thought. If you want to learn more about stigma, uh, I've included a link to Jackie's book, Voices of Hope for Mental Illness, Not Against With. Uh, link to purchase that on Amazon. I recommend it that you pick that up, especially if you want to learn about, uh, more about stigma and community care. She shares different community care models from all across the world, uh, from Europe to the U.S. Um, Some great learnings within that book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I also share some links to Patrick Corrigan's work uh, in the show notes of the podcast and in the blog. So if you want to learn more about that, just head over to empoweringability.org and you can access the resources to read more about Patrick Corrigan's work as well. And if housing is something that you're working on, Uh, feel free to go to the website and get the free download on creating your home. So there's this great workbook that's going to help guide you through creating your vision and starting to implement your vision for what your home looks like. So go on over to the website. It's empoweringability.org. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of that. I'd like to thank all of our listeners that have left us a review on iTunes. Your reviews help me understand what I'm doing well, what I can improve on on the podcast, what you want to hear. So it's great feedback that you're providing. So please continue to do so. Also, by leaving a five-star review, it helps other people find the podcast. So thanks so much for those reviews and keep them coming. Next week on the podcast, we have Chris Woodhead from... The organization called Dimensions in the United Kingdom. So, this is a continuation of our mini series on housing for people with disabilities. And Chris is the director of housing supports uh, for Dimensions UK, and they support over 5,000 people uh, across the United Kingdom and Wales. So, uh, Chris shares really their person centered approach towards housing in the UK. He shares some of the challenges that everybody in general faces uh, in the market in the United Kingdom in the housing market in the United Kingdom and kind of gives us paints that picture for us and talks about their strategy for um, supporting people to find and create their home uh, in the United Kingdom and and the market that they focus on serving is individuals with learning disabilities and people that uh, are on the autism spectrum disorder so uh, great podcast with chris and gives us a good perspective from from the united kingdom so i think there's lots of things that that we can learn especially from the approach that they're taking towards uh, person-centeredness and uh, providing for the individual and and serving their wants and their needs so looking forward to sharing that with you next week Uh, as always thank you so much for listening to the podcast and we hope to to see you again soon thanks for listening to today's podcast Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.